I'm Matthew McCabe. Welcome to Miracle Voices. Each episode, we will be delving into stories of forgiveness, healing, and transformation that have come about from integrating the principles of the book, A Course in Miracles. If you want to learn more about A Course in Miracles, visit www.acim.org. If you'd like to visit the Miracle Voices site, please go to www.miraclevoices.org. If you feel inspired to make a love offering, please visit us at miraclevoices.org forward slash donate. All donations go to support the work of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the publisher of A Course in Miracles. Now here's your program. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Miracle Voices. This is your co-host, Matthew McCabe, here with my co-host, Tam Morgan. Tam, how goes it today? It it goes. Yes. <laughs> today it just goes. Okay. <laughs> And well, and well. How and about it, you? It goes as well. <laughs> okay, we're going together. <laughs> our our guest today is Janine Janaki. Janine, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Sure oh. thing. Thank you for joining us. I'm always surprised that, you know, week after week someone else joins us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and where and where in the world are you, Janine? I am in Middletown, Connecticut, USA. Okay. Yeah. Good We're place. about uh, halfway-ish between New York City and uh, Boston, Massachusetts. I feel like that would be a good fall foliage place. Oh, yes. yes. Is it it's near New Haven? New Haven's probably a half hour or so away. I mean, Connecticut's a pretty small state, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I always think of halfway as New Haven because um, we used to live in Manhattan and I'd go up to Tufts um, where I was going to school and New Haven was the middle point. Yeah. Yeah. So, Well, nice. Is it beautiful where you are? It is indeed. We are surrounded by so much woods and we're probably a half an hour or so walk to town and it's not like a big town. Uh, a comfortable town. Wesleyan's here, the Connecticut River. There's a lot of uh, vitality and art. And yeah, you know, out of all the places I've lived, Middletown is really the only place that has felt like home. Oh, happy, happy to be here. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, okay. Janine, why don't you tell us how A Course in Miracles came into your life? Okay, it's, it's kind of interesting. The first time I asked... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Janine, you got muted. Janine, you accidentally Oops. got muted. Okay, oh. I'm back. I don't know how that happened. I'm that, back. Was my you mis- said it was that was my mistake. I ask you, I ask you a question, then you're, I immediately mute you. Oh, uh, did you do? I thought. Don't, I- don't, don't let me. Don't worry about that. I'll ask you the question again. We'll do a quick take two. Okay. Yeah, sometimes he's just the Wizard of Oz, and you got to go with him. You know. Okay. All right. So, Janine, tell us how A Course of Miracles came into your life. Okay. The first time I held the book in hand was, I believe, in 2004. Um, My husband had gotten into a motor vehicle accident. It was actually a drunk driving situation. And uh, so that was a whole recovery and forgiveness story for him. Um, But it was around the time of his birthday after that accident, and he was in recovery and going to AA groups. And so I felt to go to a recovery shop to see what kind of gifts they might have. And I'm looking at the books and I saw this uh, A Course in Miracles, and I grabbed it because I, I really liked that. I liked the idea of miracles. And so I didn't even really look too much into the book. I just uh, gave it to him as a gift. And he uh, read and studied it for a while 
but it's kind of, it's actually kind of funny when he would read it to me. Um, I did not like that book. <laughs> I, I did. I had kind of like a violent negative reaction to the words, you know, Holy Spirit and Jesus and all this stuff. And it seemed really complicated um, in contrast to the Buddhist classes that we were taking, which seemed much simpler somehow. Uh, so I, I, t- I tabled that book and uh, it eventually left our house. I don't remember exactly how. Um, but around that time, and actually throughout um, most of my life up to age 50, I've been really um, terrorized by suicidal despair. And in the beginning, I was trying to find, you know, a medical way out of it, whether pills, doctors, whatever. And nothing seemed to alleviate this, uh, this emptiness, this terrible emptiness and this, this wish for death. Um, and so I began to embark on different spiritual ventures. Uh, I learned how to meditate. That kind of opened the door. Um, I studied lots of different things, uh, Buddhist classes. Uh, I took yoga. Uh, I did teacher training in California, a couple rounds of that. And it turned me on to the power of mind. And still, <sighs> escape was really elusive. And I thought I would be forever imprisoned <laughs> in the darkness. And um, so in my life, I was, I think I was hospitalized like 15 times psychiatrically. Um, tried to kill myself uh, three times, but it wasn't a very serious thing because I was scared to death of death. So on the one hand, feeling such pain in this existence that I wanted to die and yet too afraid <laughs> to actually seriously do it. What a hellish realm that was. So it all came to a serious front in the fall of 2018. My mom had died um, about eight months prior and she was my greatest fan. And so that was a, a great loss. And I really didn't see any reason to stay here. And even though I was scared of dying, I felt like I, I just can't do this anymore. It, it's just too much. And so um, I actually considered finding a lethal dose of heroin or jumping off the Portland Bridge. But around that time, um, I became pursued by this interesting thought sequence. And it went like this. There's something wrong with your thinking. Church on Sunday and meditation in the morning are not going to cut it. You got to watch your thoughts moment by moment, every moment. And I, I kept hearing that, not audibly, but it, this sequence of thoughts kept pursuing me to the point where I decided, okay, I will, I will try it. Um, I was in the process uh, at that point of outpatient psychiatric, and I began to take very early morning walks. And on these morning walks, I had to overlook all of the negativity, all of the darkness, simply drop it and hang on to the couple of thoughts that I could believe. And one of those thoughts was trust in God, all is well, all is well, trust in God. Or I'm getting better and better every day and in every way. Or some Sanskrit mantras that I learned in my yoga teach, teacher's training. And all the other thoughts I simply had to ignore. And looking back, I guess you could call that like a spiritual bypass. Um, but I had to do it. <laughs> I had to do it at the time to get out of the darkness. So um, I call this practice praying without ceasing. 
because I never stopped. And it was such a valuable practice because all of a sudden there was no difference between spiritual practice and life practice. It became one seamless whole. And um, within four or five weeks, I began to experience expanses of joy and gratitude that I had, could not have dreamed possible for me. So grateful. And um, around that time, A Course in Miracles again found me, um, friend of a friend. And this time, when I opened the book and began to read, I holy tears, holy, holy tears. And it didn't matter, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, all this stuff. Nothing mattered because the truth inherent in and between the words was so palpable. So... For the next few years after that, so that was in 2019, um, I was a very serious course student, and that became my undoing, my my reprogramming. And and so every day I would take the lesson and take it with me on my walk, and the walk would be very mindful and very present, but I'd be carrying this thought and just reprogramming all of the madness (laughs) and became lighter and lighter. And, uh, and, and here I am. Um, it's amazing. I'm, I'm so, so grateful because I feel like I came really close to not being here in the fall. I, I came so close. And I'm, I don't know how this thought sequence found me. Maybe it was my mom. I don't know. But I'm so, so grateful. Um, yeah. Well, it sounds like you were also so committed to doing the work even before the actual horse book came into your hand the second time um that 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 commitment um to see something differently really shined through well i've always had this determination this willfulness about me and um that can be used <laughs> that can be yes. used in different ways right it can be used in worldly pursuits which for me, it was always a game of win some, lose some. I, I didn't know it at the time. I know it now. So now I'm like so willing to be used. Yes, I have a great amount of determination and will. And now I'm willing you know, to hand it over and say, look, spirit, whoever's listening, you know what I'm capable of. Please just move through me and, and let me be at service in any way that's best. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to do that. Yeah. It's such um, it's such a poignant and I feel important message to to talk about what suicide means and what it what it represents. Like even within the course, this actually came. I'm going to have to look this up in a moment and and come back with. Uh, there was just literally a question asked um, through you know through our email responses from people about suicide. And so I'm going to look that up to bring it forward. But um, within that is my personal feeling about it through my coursework is that the ego does want to annihilate us. I mean, that's its whole purpose is is to believe in death and annihilation and, and that urge for something either different, something better or nothing at all, but get out of this mm. and to, to be able to come to a point where we take the opportunity to say, actually, we can have 
the happy dream and it's our choice. I, and I'd like to, to speak to that, that notion Please. of suicide, because I had a question early on in my course study. I thought, well, geez, why would the ego want to die? You know, kill its host kind of thing. That seems to be, <clears throat> I don't know, mind boggling. And then I thought, well, well, wait a minute. <laughs> so the ego is fine with that because the ego is the death wish and the ego will pursue us, you know, beyond death and right into the next uh, incarnation. So the ego, uh, the ego does not want to die uh, and, and does everything in its best interest. I realized uh, in, in the beginning of my course study with Buddhism, there was a concept called uh, no self or non-self. And when I studied that, it scared the hell out of me because it's like, oh my, this void, what would happen to me kind of thing? I didn't want to die. But I realized in the last few years that, oh, okay, I get it now. Yes, it's the ego really that must die and, and it doesn't want to, but that's okay. That's why you don't allow it to orchestrate the awakening. And, um, and that's okay because it's, it's what my true nature, my essential nature is, is free to be. Yes, the ego must die. So that is a suicide of sort. It's um, a holy, holy suicide. If you don't mind, I would love, because the synchronicity is just so beautiful, I'd love to read to you um, a response given by Diane Brooke who is kind of our in-house course scholar. Um, I never represented myself as a course scholar. And and the question around suicide was brought up to her. And I'm going to read this. Anything can be edited out of this if this is too long. But um, do you mind? Can I read oh, this? Please, please. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so she says, and I'm going to read what she says and then tell you what the course says within it as she quotes it. The course doesn't address suicide directly, but it does say that in truth, we aren't even here. We are a mind making a decision. A decision for suicide is usually seen as an act of despair, an unwillingness, um, sorry, an unwillingness to go the next step along the path of awakening. On the path of A Course in Miracles, suicide would reflect an unwillingness to accept the quiet joy of what and who we are, even while we appear to be living in the world. Mother Teresa seemed able to do it using a very different path um, as her guide. But as we know, you know, if anyone's read her journal toward the end, she even had her crisis of faith within that. Um, so Diane continues to say, looking for inspiration to answer you, I searched various indexes and books written by Ken Wapnick and found nothing about suicide, although I remember him addressing the topic more than once. Then I thought to look up the workbook lesson you referenced, hoping I might have some notes from Ken scribbled in my copy. Usually I look up course references by going to the FIP website. It's what I thought I was doing, but unconsciously I just typed into the Google search the world I see holds nothing that I want. This is the lesson that, that he referred to. Uh, one of the offerings was a short video. Kenneth Wapnick talks about why people commit suicide. In quotes. What are the odds of that happening, Diane says. So I recommend you Google it and watch it by, by the master. That was Ken. However, just in case you can't find it, I'm paraphrasing Ken below. When we recognize that none of the paths in this world world work, and we come to know that the world I see holds nothing that I want, there is still a big something. 
this reflection of God's peace and joy to be experienced. And then this is a quote from the Course. Men have died on seeing this because they saw no way except the pathways offered by the world, and learning they led nowhere lost their hope. And yet this was the time they could have learned their greatest lesson. All point, um, all must reach this point and go beyond it. It is true indeed, there is no choice at all within the world, but this is not the lesson itself. The lesson has a purpose. And in this, you come to understand what it is for. And this was ACIM text 31. Um, we can put in the quote afterwards. Um, and then Diane continues to say herself, suicide or boredom or indifference are but defenses against taking the next step. Early in the course, Jesus tells us not to go too fast in this process or we will become too frightened to truly know. Then in quotes, it is, uh, beyond this world, there is a world I want to see, end quotes. Jesus instructed Helen and Bill to study the notes he was dictating to them. They needed to ingest, digest, absorb the enormity of what was said so that as they went forward, they wouldn't become traumatized. We too need to do this as a process. And then the quote again from the course, there is a risk of thinking death is peace because the world equates the body with the self which God created. Yet a thing can never be its opposite. And death is opposite to peace because it is the opposite of life. And life is peace. Awaken and forget all thoughts of death and you will find you have the peace of God. And we'll put that quote in with its reference as well. And Diane continues just a little bit more. If the world seems real to us at the deepest level, and if something else isn't deeply established, then suicide seems a logical option. Whatever is in our mind at the time of death is what we awaken to. It is our mind's choice to have a particular experience. When peace and joy bubble up in us, regardless of outer, of our outer circumstances, then either we stay in this world to demonstrate to ourselves as well to others, or we quietly lay down the body. So she continues to say, uh, you say your question is not related to forgiveness, but there is within all of us a secret unconscious guilt we carry related to believing we could and did separate from God and come to this world. Perhaps it is another deep layer of this guilt that is ready to be released. Actually, I think you, we all are wanting a happier dream. The happy dream, of course, is seeming to be here and truly remembering where and what we are. The happy dream points us beyond all illusions. It is still a dream, but it is a dream in which truth is seen and reflected even while we appear in this body. And then she finally says, I hope this answers what you're asking. There are many points to reflect on. We reflect together. Hmm. Wow, this is uh, so amazingly poignant. Um, if you were to ask me, what was the lesson? What was the forgiveness lesson with the shift from suicidal despair to like gratitude and, and well-being? I, uh, the lesson, I loose the world from all that I thought it was came to mind. And that was following me on my walk this morning. And it's, it's so true. Uh, I felt that I had done everything in my power. You know, when I was going through uh, college, I graduated summa cum laude, got a good job, the career path, got a nice husband, house, and still wanted to die. 
I'm like, well, wait a minute. I did everything right and this is what I get. And then, so it seemed as though I was afflicted by some sinister force outside of me that would descend upon me uh, whenever it wanted. And um, I didn't realize that it was all coming from my thoughts and my beliefs. And I simply had to drop what was not true. And I had to be seriously willing to question every single thought, leaving no stone unturned. And apparently, even though I was a, a very good student, I wasn't willing to do do it to that level until 2018. And I thank God that um, that I did it then because it was pretty precarious at that point. Mm. And uh, what kind of thoughts uh, did you notice the most coming up? What do you mean? What kind of dark thoughts? Or yeah, you were uh, watching your thoughts and what were the oh, thoughts? Well, in, in the beginning, like I said before, it was uh, more of a spiritual bypass. I simply couldn't look at any of them, none of them. And I simply went to the few small things that I could believe in, those things like uh, trusting God and all as well. I, I had to drop all of it. And so that was such a serious practice. I mean, every single waking moment I was doing that. It was a pr- It was a living, walking, moving prayer for several weeks. And then um, when the course found me in 2019, well, now the, the daily lessons, that was the fodder for the new, new things that were being planted. They're not really new, you know, it's truth, but firmly rooted in mind and the other weeds withering away. Now, after a time when I had reached a certain measure of stability, then I could start looking at patterns, things coming up that would trigger me. And look at the thoughts, you know, according to the, in the perceptions of whatever was going on. And in fact, in the year um, 2021, I embarked on my second tour of the course. It was like a, a spiritual boot camp where um, every single day I would take the lesson. I take it with me on my walk. I would contemplate and then I would write uh, for two to four hours every day on this particular lesson. Did that for a whole year. So that was an entire amazing uh, year of undoing. And I couldn't have done that, you know, right away. I had to get a certain level of stability and well-being before I could do that. And where I'm at now, um, I still have this tendency to, I think as we all do to some measure, uh, there are emotions that we don't really like so much, (laughs) ranging from impatience to frustration to downright rage or uh, annoyance, despair, like none of those feel very good. And so my immediate tendency is to want to just push those away and, you know, think ha- a higher thoughts. But now I'm ready to not do that. I'm ready to uh, accept, you know, like the Rumi's guest house, like whatever shows up, I say, you're welcome here. Uh, so even like a mild impatience. Oh, I call it by name. Impatience. You're welcome here. But this was a whole process. There's no way in hell I could have done, you know, this fine tuning uh, back in 2018, 2019. So it's been a, um, it's been a real beautiful journey. It it does speak to um, it being most usually a process. It doesn't necessarily happen all at once. I'm not saying it never can, but but the idea of the commitment and the different levels of the learning continue and deepen and deepen. And you think how much more can they deepen? I, I get it. Nope. More, more, more. 
Yeah, I found that. I actually found that. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I continue? No, please. I I found that a little bit frustrating at one point because I had done like a year of this spiritual, uh, serious uh, processing of grievances. And I thought, well, what am I going to have to do this the rest of my life? I mean, granted, this is giving me some great uh, sense of peace and well-being. I I don't see any doctors anymore. I'm not on any, any psychiatric medication for all intents and purposes. I don't have any ailment any mental ailment, but do I have to keep processing shit for the rest of my life? <laughs> and um, I knew I was in trouble when I introduced time. <laughs> um, back in September, um, I had COVID, and so I had one of those uh, dark nights of the soul. But I was very grateful for the experience because in that experience and corresponding with different spiritual f- friends, I realized that I had an ambition, this underlying ambition to awaken right? In this lifetime and never come back, you know, in a very definitive manner. And uh, whose ambition is that? If that's the ambition of the false self, uh, I don't want any part of that because we all know where that goes. So I dropped it. And to my delight, I don't have uh, any loss of determination, of enthusiasm, of passion. It's just that I'm not leaving like at all anymore. I'm simply... Uh, I'm following, and I'm so willing, and I'm I'm ready. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, yeah. very powerful. Janine, would love to hear your forgiveness story. Okay, let's see. <laughs> There's <do> more. I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's more. My God. Oh, okay. This is this is very interesting story. Let's see if I can do this in a way that makes sense. My sister Louise. Um, is the middle sibling. She's 13 years older than me. And at this point in time, she has kind of distanced herself from the family. She's, it's kind of um, a self-imposed exile. And uh, it just seems like when our parents left this earth, um, the family just uh, dispersed into pieces. And so it's, it's been an interesting process. But with Louise in particular, it was so troubling um, because we were very close at one, one time. Now, I remember on one of my walks, I had tried to reach out to her in so many ways, with, with flowers, with cards, phone calls, and nothing doing. Nothing was have, having any impact, it seemed. And uh, she's kind of uh, fragile in a way, and so it seems like even phone calls could be Uh, troubling for her. So one day I thought, all right, well, I'll just edge my way in gently, send her a text asking her if it will be okay if we we could talk. We hadn't talked in a long time at that point. And I got a text back uh, saying that, no, she wasn't ready. And when I went out on my walk that day, I was so pissed. I'm like, what the, what more do I have to do? And I was thinking of some angry responses that I could send to her. And one of the angry responses was, um, can you just uh, let me know that we're done for this lifetime so I can stop trying? And I knew that, okay, yeah, that might be a very uh, uh, a hurtful thing that I could throw at her, but that's really not the way. And I remember turning the corner and starting to walk up this hill and praying to spirit. All right, obviously my perception is really askew. I need some help with this. Now, I don't usually consider myself a Jesus person, because I I guess I'm on Team Holy Spirit, whatever that means. But for some reason, when I kept up this prayer, I felt like I was communicating back and forth with Jesus. 
So I was saying, all right, so what am I supposed to do? Just keep sending cards, like what, for the rest of my life and getting nothing in response? And there was a yes. I'm like, really? Like for the rest of my life and get nothing in return? Yes. And I thought, oh, all right. And then I added, and no spiritual mumbo jumbo, because I think I have a tendency to... um, I don't know, share stuff that people don't want to hear. So I felt like when I got to the top of that hill, I had made an agreement with Jesus to, um, to be love for my sister and, and not get anything and not need anything in return. Because if I know myself as love, well, why would I need anything in return? So I did that um, for well over a year. And... Um, didn't really get much of a response, but it was okay. I was feeling pretty good about it because it was like this holy purpose, this holy mission that I was on. And then, uh, not last summer, but the summer before, I had the idea to have a surprise birthday party for another sister. And uh, this other sister has Parkinson's, and I don't believe Louise knew about this. And I really wanted Louise to come to this thing, but I didn't want to use Parkinson's as a, as a ploy. So that was another time I was really praying, like, how do I handle this? I knew that if I just invited her without that information, there's no way in heck she'd go to this party. But I didn't want to be using that. That seemed wrong. Um, so I prayed, and uh, I sent Louise a text about, hey, uh, I want to do this surprise party for Sandy. Um, I need to talk with you about something. It's very important. And she ended up calling me and, um, and we stayed on the phone for over an hour talking about all kinds of really deep things. This was amazing. And one of the most amazing components of that phone call was she had gone to see a medium because she was concerned about the plight of our deceased mother. Was she lost in some realm? She wanted to make sure our mother was okay, even though she had some forgiveness issues with our mother. But in the course of meeting with this medium, the medium suggested that she get this book, this really important book for her. And uh, guess what the book was? <laughs> the book was A Course in Miracles. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I told Louise I was studying this and writing about this. And uh, so it was a great like couple of months where I was actually sharing with Louise some of my writing. Um, And so that was fantastic. I thought, wow, we got Louise back. But then in one of my uh, writings, I I think it was was interpreted uh, in a way that was not good for her. Um, So I shared with her in, in one of these pieces of writing that on one of these walks, I was moved to tears thinking that Somehow she and I had made a a soul contract in between lives to learn about love without condition. And she had such faith in me that I could take, you know, indifference or hostility and still keep, you know, being kind. She had such faith in me that like um, she was my greatest fan. Uh, And whether that's true or not, it doesn't matter. But when I shared that piece of writing with her, It was very hurtful for her because as being the middle child, I think she always felt kind of unseen and left out. And 
I, I was the baby and always will be the baby and got lots of attention and, oh, look at Janine can do, sing and write and art and all this specialness. And so me sharing this with her, in effect, was like saying, see, here I am again. I'm better than you. And I, I didn't intend that, but I think that's my, that might be how it was received. And so then there was all communication was cut off and it was awful again. So for the next birthday, which was last fall for her, I simply sent her that um, Hawaiian poem for a birthday card. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And um, I actually got a, a smiley face <laughs> in return, which was very significant. Doesn't seem like much, but it, it was great. Um, and then... Um, Around my birthday, I didn't get a card from my sister. And uh, that that was feeling really bad. Because I'm like, geez, I, I don't know what more I could do. It just hurts so much. I know I made an agreement with Jesus or spirit or whoever, but like this is tearing me apart. Um, I think I, I think I just need to continue in my mind and my heart and forgive. And I will never give up with that. But I think I need to just stop doing stuff in form for now. And I felt okay with that. It didn't seem like a betrayal because I felt, felt like I'm, I'm being true to my heart. Now, as soon as I made that decision, that evening I went to the mailbox and guess what was in the mailbox a few days after my birthday? A card from Louise. And um, it's funny. It's a funny card. It's a card I actually have. Uh, I bought for my brother-in-law because he likes funny cards. So it's the exact same card. So on the cover is this LED light bulb on stage talking to an audience of LED light bulbs. And he's saying, and above all, don't let anyone change you. So on the inside, she says, Janine, you're perfect. Just the way you are. Mm. Love Louise. And so I don't always know what I'm doing, but I know when I follow my heart and when I follow love and my determination and my willingness to be kind and in service, I can't go wrong. And so that's the story about Louise. And uh, it's been captured in a song. Um, so there's a song called Good Cop, Bad Cop that my husband and I do. And um, yeah, it's, it's all amazing. And I'm, I'm grateful for every part of it. Well, that'd be great. Maybe we can, we can, uh, you can play that song uh, before we wrap here. Okay. Um, but there's just a couple more questions. Okay. I want to get to, but I'm looking forward to that song. Okay. Um, and I just uh, want to insert here for one moment what is really poignant um, to me, for me, about your story is that it's such a weaving of doing and being when do you take action when do you step back when can you let go when do you actually um allow everything to be as it is in its own perfection versus i don't really like that i want to change it um and and when healing annoyingly almost to my personality happens when we do let go <laughs> you know it's like telling the the woman who I was, um, you know, if you just stop 
trying so hard to get pregnant, you'll get pregnant. Oh, thank you for that one six years later. You know, um, but there really is something that's woven in that message of you are perfect just the way you are, including uh, the things that look like flaws in, in our personality and how beautifully they're used for our own purpose, either to, you know, hang us or to kind of resurrect us. It's, you know, the cross we bear, whether we bear it or we get resurrected from it, are our own personal kind of traits and flaws sometimes in, in our egoic form. So like you expressed it so beautifully that in and out, I, you know, I want to change it. Oh, look, I did. Uh, oh, look, God did. Oh, look, you know, spirit did. Oh, so now I think I'm working it right. Oh, whoops. Uh, here I go again. And, you know, the continual chance to choose once again and what it is that you're choosing. So thank you for sharing that. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, you know, getting guidance is one thing and then accepting it is another, which it sounded like you had some difficulty with what's like, Hey, I'm getting an answer here, an intuitive answer of yes, just leave her alone forever. If that's what it, what it takes, like that's my guidance. And it's like, wait, that's not what I thought it would be. <laughs> Do I, and so now I have to accept this. And it's like, well, only if you want peace, like, maybe I don't, I think I'll stay with no peace for, for a while. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until I finally realized that's not working. So totally related to that. <laughs> but uh, Janine, we like to ask, what do you do when you get caught in just an ego storm and it just seems really difficult to get out of it? Like you fell into a hole and there's no ladder. How do you, how do you respond? Is there any, anything you do to get centered? Yes, I have one uh, go-to prayer or concept um, that underlies everything that appears after that. So um, I want the peace of God above all else. I want the peace of God. And let me elaborate on what I mean, uh, how that plays out. So um, I'm having hot flashes these days that wake me up during the night. And sometimes I can't go back to sleep. And sometimes when I can't go back to sleep, uh, it seems like the subconscious or pain body, whatever, is opened wide in the middle of the night. And uh, I'm scared. And there's, it's almost like this dark, sinister force. I don't know. Maybe it's depression. It scares the hell out of me. It's so dark. Um, so that happened about a, a week ago. And um, I was saying my prayer almost frantically. I want the peace of God. I want the peace of God. I felt like I was uh, Dorothy tapping heels together, you know, take right. Elam quick. This is really scary. Um, and then somewhere along the line, uh, I remembered uh, a talk that David Huffmeister had given about the ego, um, basically saying ego wants you dead. And uh, that scared the heck out of me. And then that was followed by another thought in my um, spiritual boot camp. One of the things that I had concluded was that love is the only sane response in any given situation. So I kind of thought about those two things and decided what would it be like to send love to this sinister, scary thing? And I realized that it wouldn't be me doing it because little Janine Limited, what match does she have for this sinister force? So I knew it had to come from God. So I felt like I allowed myself to become this hollow bamboo 
and allowed spirit, love, boundless to flow through and just shine out on this sinister darkness. And in the process, uh, images of other, you know, other faces, grievances came to mind and the love just got showered in that direction. Whatever uncomfortable thing showed up, it just got showered with love. And it was rather amazing because I think I did this for a couple of hours. I, I couldn't sleep. And so I just continued the practice. And um, now when I think of the objects of these said grievances, there's no on. So this, this process initially by wanting peace and wanting to escape, but then be wi being willing to be this open channel Wow. Uh, amazing. Very helpful. Thank you, Jean. Extremely. Love these practical things we can do. Yeah. I'm really building a toolbox here from all our guests. It's like a Swiss army <laughs> knife of how to forgive. Uh, share it with me, please. I, I forget. <laughs> well, Janine, before we get to good cop, bad cop, uh, okay. please uh, share with us your your favorite comfort food. Are you there, Matt? Still Matt, here. Yeah. Can oh, you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Now I we can. can hear you now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Comfort you, food, right? Yes. You yeah. You favorite, got it. What's your favorite comfort <laughs> oh food? Oh my God. You okay. Are hands so down, hands down, ice cream. I will okay. have it for breakfast. I will have it in between meals. I'll have it for a meal. Ice cream. <laughs> okay, but what's your favorite flavor? Yeah, we got to hear oh, flavors. But you know, it's not always that my favorite flavor is not always available. I really love ginger. You can get it every Ooh. once in a while. It's very unusual. And, and whipped cream is always a good thing to have. If ginger's not around, any nut will do. <laughs> and do you make your own? No. no. They, well, then you can have ginger as much as you want if you just have your little ice cream maker. It's so good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> really good. Gin ginger. Ice cream. I've never had that before. It's that so sounds fabulous. wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We had an ice cream maker and we were using it so much that we had to get rid of it. It became an issue. Oh. It does. It does make ice cream wonderful. <laughs> well, Janine, we'd love to hear you and Joe. Uh, Joe's going to be joining us, correctly. Yes. Grab and he's guitar. playing the guitar. He's and... on guitar. Okay. He might do a little yeah. backup. Yeah, we are calling Joe, the little bird who's flying Paging Joe. Give us a message of peace. Can you hear the guitar? We sure can.
Excellent, excellent. Anyway, uh, yeah, have a good one. And nice Thank meeting you. everybody. Uh, I can't hear anybody because I'm not. I don't oh, have he doesn't have headphones. On, headphones. <laughs> so I'm just basically talking in this space, but we're all we're all connected. It's all one anyway, so there really is no time and space. So. Yeah. All right. All right. Adios. Thanks, Thank Joe. You. And we're all talking into space. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you for that. that Thank was you. Really cool. Wonderful. Wow. Joe is no beginner at guitar. For sure. <laughs> he rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Both of you rock. Both I was expecting like just a few chords or something, and he oh, went uh, he went pretty deep there. That was great. Yeah, well, well done. Know. Well done. Me- meaningful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really know what to call the music. It's it's kind of different. Um, it's like prog rock slash rock opera, <laughs> but they're all. It's a whole album based on uh, what I've learned from the Course in Miracles, and it's um yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> well done. Well, Janine, before we get out of here, um, we just want to say thank you so much. And obviously, thank you to Joe for your song, for your story and your miracle voice. That was wonderful. And I'm sure it will help many people out there as it helped Tam and I. Tam, any final words? Um, Well, just is there anywhere that if people want to hear this music or reach... Um, Well, it's at the recording studio now. So they're doing their digital magic mastering and such. I think it will probably be out in in a couple of months. And I can give you um, that information when that happens. (laughs) Yeah, we can update the podcast description uh, when that happens in the future so people can find it. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Great. Well, thanks again, Janine. That was wonderful. Thank you, too. Thank you for what what you're doing with these interviews. It's so inspiring. (laughs) Uh, it's only because we love them. <laughs> That's right. Labor of love. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to Miracle Voices by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you are enjoying these conversations, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you use. And lastly, please visit us at miraclevoices.org and join our newsletter so we can stay connected. Until the next podcast, I want to leave you with my favorite course quote. When you want only love, you will see nothing else.